Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Sabbath Services. Well, we're just a a month away from the Passover, and so now is the time to cover the things of the Passover and what we should do. And there's more confusion about the Passover than any other thing in the Bible. Now, there's a reason for that. And the reason is that it's central to what God did with Abraham, with Israel, and with the church. And with the church, it's the new covenant. Now, a lot of people get mixed up between a covenant and a testimony. And the King James has in in the book of Hebrews chapter 8 and 9, testimony rather than covenant. Now, testimony is this, like a will and, last will and testimony. You can change it at any time you want before you die. Huh? Now, a covenant is the exact opposite. A covenant is this. You pledge your death if you don't keep it from the beginning. You can't change it. It's unchangeable. That's the difference between a covenant and a testimony. Now, also, we're going to see some very interesting things concerning the Passover. And we're going to cover them in Exodus and Deuteronomy and look at what God has said. And we will see there are specific times that he gave us for whatever we're going to do. But let's first of all come to Genesis 12. Okay. Now here's something also to remember. So today we're going to get a little technical. So listen up, take good notes. And about an hour after we are done with doing the live it will be back up online again so you can go over it if you need to. Genesis 12. So here's the way that God operates. First is the promise. Okay. Next is the covenant declaration and the sacrifices. Okay, so remember that promise, covenant declaration, sacrifices. That's exactly how it works. And when the sacrifices have been completed, the covenant is binding. You can't change it. Now, I want you to think about that in relationship to the Sabbath day. 
because keeping the commandments is part of what? The new covenant. See? And if you keep Sunday, you are changing the law, you are changing the covenant. Okay? So when we come to chapter 12, this has to do with Abram before his name was changed to Abraham. And here we have, first, the promise. This is not the covenant. This is the promise. Okay? Verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Abram, Get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house into a land I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. Okay? And I will make you a great nation. He didn't tell him how great. Right? And I will bless you and make your name great. Is it great? Has his name been repeated every generation from that time down to this? Is it repeated in the new covenant? Yes, it is. We'll get to that a little bit. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you and curse the one that curses you. And in you shall all. Now look at that, that word all. That means each and every family of the earth be blessed. See that? That's the promise. Now. What does this not tell us? This does not tell us when. And this does not tell us are there steps to getting to the when or phases. Okay. So the promise is always broad. So that when a covenant is made, the promise will be fulfilled when the covenant is made. And the blessing will start. Okay. Then Abram departed even as the Lord had spoken to him. Now, it's the same way when we're baptized. And baptism, first of all, you believe the promise of Jesus Christ. If you believe in him, you'll receive eternal life, right? That's the promise, okay? And we will see baptism is your covenant sacrifice. So we'll see, we'll see this with Abraham that it actually took a period of 45 years, no more than that, 75, okay, 75, 115, that's uh, 190 years, okay? Yeah, 75, 
25 and 15. Okay? 25 and 15, 40 years altogether. Okay? So Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the substance that they had gathered, and the people for that they had gained in Haran, and it turned out to be a large company. It was probably something like 150 or 200 people altogether. Okay? And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and they came into the land of Canaan. Okay? He passed through the land and so forth. Came down to Egypt, then came back. Let's come here to Genesis 15. All right? So Genesis 15 is the sacrifice and the stating of the covenant. So let's see it. Verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Okay, Lord God, what will you give me since I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Now, it was legal to have a slave be adopted to be his son. Okay. But God wanted to do what to human beings seemed impossible. And so remember this, all things are possible with God. Now, we may have troubles and difficulties along the way to get there, but all things are possible with God. Now, verse 3, And Abram said, Behold, you have given no seed to me, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own loins shall be your heir. Now, here's the statement of God. Here he is, ten years after his calling, after God said you would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And he doesn't have a child. So here at 85, so that's 10 years later, this comes. Now here is where God makes the covenant with Abraham. And when the covenant is made, it's sealed with the sacrifice. All right, this man shall not be your heir. Now notice verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heavens, and number the stars if you're able to count them. Now when do you see stars? At night. So this means this was at night when he took him out there. Right? Now, I don't know 
But I, I would presume that the stars in the Middle East, without any smog or fog or anything like that, like we have around here, that the stars were brilliant to look at. And he said, so shall your seed be. And he brought out and looked toward the heavens and the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said, so shall your seed be. And he believed the Lord. Okay. There's the promise with the statement with faith. See, Now here is where Christianity today gets all off kilter. They say, believe in Jesus. Okay. But they never tell you, be baptized. You watch the latest ad by uh, Twinkle Toes, Franklin Graham. Okay. (laughs) And he says, if you call this number, we'll give you a Bible, and I believe every word in it. He is a bald-faced liar because he won't keep the Sabbath and he won't keep the commandments of God the way that God said. Okay? Because he never got to the covenant part only to believe, if you believe Jesus. No. Covenant must have the sacrifice. Now, here's what God did. And God wanted Abraham to understand that this covenant that he made with him was absolute. It could not be changed. Okay? Now, just to show you, If everything goes really, really bad like it did when Moses was bringing the children of Israel toward the land of Canaan, especially right after the Ten Commandments, after receiving the the Ten Commandments and the Aaron built the golden calf and they worshipped it, God said to Moses, stand aside and I'll go eliminate them and make you great. Then it would have gotten down to one man to start again to keep the covenant going. So sometimes it gets down to the bare minimum. Now, here in this episode in Genesis 15, let's see what God did. Because this sets everything that we find in the Bible, in motion. Okay? Now, first of all, let's see what he was instructed to do. He believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, By what shall I know that I shall inherit it? Okay. So there has to be a sacrifice for a covenant to be secure. 
Okay. And we will see both parties have to be part of that covenant. But here in Genesis 15, only God was part of that covenant. Abraham's part came later in two steps. We'll see that. All right? So he said to him, Take me after three years old, she go to three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took all of these and he divided them in the middle. That's right down the back. So he had to have a pretty heavy axe to do that, to cut down through the spine. And the way that they did it, they, they took the halves of the animals and they split them down the middle, opened them up, left the internal organs be exposed, and a path was made between the animals. And the one who was making the covenant had to walk between those paths of those animals, and it signified that he would carry out the covenant, and if not, he would die. Okay? Now keep that in mind. Because you can't change a covenant until one party of the covenant dies. Okay? That's important. Okay? Now, the Lord God, as we will see, let's see what happens. So this is in the day portion after he gave the promise. All right? Divided them in halves. Okay. And laid each opposite the other, but he did not divide the birds, and the birds of prey came down on the carcass. Abram drove them away. Well, I don't know how quickly that these birds of prey find out that there's blood and guts laying on the ground, but boy, just like a snap of a finger, they're there. Okay? So he drove them away. Now, verse 12 is very important. Okay? And it came to pass as the sun was going down. Okay. Not quite down. But when it goes below the horizon, what time is it? It's the next day. Because God calculates time from sunset to sunset. Now, there are some people who keep the Sabbath, and I think... Most of the Seventh-day Adventists keep it this way, from midnight Friday to midnight Saturday. See? That's not correct. Some was going down that a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Now, what is a deep sleep like? Okay, have you ever had a deep sleep? You wake up? You wonder, where am I? Huh? Even though you're home. Okay. So it was a deep sleep. So this was like a type of death. But this was not his, this was not his death. This was a prophecy of Christ's death. 
Okay. And behold, a great horror of darkness fell upon him. So there's death, deep sleep, great horror, burial. Okay. Symbolic. But this was not his pledge yet. His pledge of his sacrifice will come later. And he said to Abram, You must surely know that your seed shall be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. We'll look at the difference. 400 years or 430, okay? And I also will judge the nation whom they shall serve. What did God do to Egypt? Did he judge them? I mean, you you go through and read all the plagues, chapter by chapter by chapter in the book of Exodus, and you think about the devastation that happened to Egypt. And you think about the mass death of the firstborn of man and beast. That was horrendous. Okay. And afterward, they shall come out with great substance. And you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. He did. He died at 175. Okay. But in the fourth generation, they shall come out here again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Little sidebar. That's quite a statement, isn't it? What does it mean that the iniquity becomes full? Hmm? You look at what's going on in America, and you wonder how close we're coming to that. And you go back and you look at how many years it took gradually, incrementally, to come to the point where we are today. That, everything that the establishment bureaucracy government does is not constitutional. So we're getting close. Now notice verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, not twilight, dark. Okay. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the parts. Now, the burning lamp signified God was walking through. The smoking furnace was burning up the sacrifices completely so that when it was over, there was nothing but ashes on the ground. Burned up. That's the complete pledge of God to Abraham. So when Abraham woke up and saw that, he knew that what God said was going to be the thing that would happen. Now, and in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham because God walked between the parts. 
Then the covenant was made. So you have the promise. You have the sacrifice. You have the covenant. You must have those steps. With Abram saying, I have given this land to your seed. How long did it take? Over 400 years. Right? Okay. I've given the land to you and from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And then he lists the land of all of the all of the Canaanites there. All right. Then here's the next step of the covenant. Chapter 17, when he was 99 years old, 14 years later, God appeared to him and he said, verse 1, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be perfect. Huh. Now what I want you to do is pick out the points that are equal to the new covenant that we are in. See? Okay. We are to walk before God and what? Be perfected, right? Yes. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. So what was Abraham's pledge when the covenant was made for physical nations? Circumcision. Okay. So the blood of the circumcision was Abraham's part that tied together with the covenant that God had already made back in chapter 15. Okay. So this was his part. And then that also included Ishmael. So he says here, let's read on just a few more verses. I will make my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Now, how many nations? Well, you look at all the tribes of Israel and all of their descendants. You look at all the tribes of Ishmael and all of their descendants. You look at the four sons that Abraham had with Keturah, and all of, and, and those descendants. Okay. Now that's a lot. Okay. Verse 5, Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but I will make, your name shall be Abraham, and I will make you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you in their generation. Now, then the covenant came with Israel, right? Okay. To be God to you and to your seed after you. Then he says, I'll give you the land and so forth. Okay. Now then, we come to the point where chapter 21 
a year later, the Lord visited Sarah. Now, at this point, she was 90 years old. Okay? Now, God wanted to prove something, and he was to prove that he can produce seed at any age, at any time that he desires to do so, so that everyone would know. Abraham would know, Sarah would know, and the offspring, in this case, Isaac would know that it was the promise of God. See? That's how it came. Let's read a couple of verses here. Verse 1, chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time. Okay? Now, what are all the feasts of God? Set times. What does it say about the death of Christ? At the appointed time, Christ died. Okay? So here it is. Of which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him when Sarah born to him, called his name Isaac. Okay? And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God made me to laugh so that all who hear will laugh with me. All right? So then we find this. Chapter 22. Now this is the part where the sacrifice of Abraham seals his part of the covenant. So we have all that time, okay? From the time that he was 85, we have 15 years before Isaac was born, and then Isaac was probably 15 years old at this time in Genesis 22. So that totals 30 years. So when we come to Exodus 13, after the break, you'll know the difference between 400 and 430. They are both correct. It just, what's the starting point? Okay. Now here in Genesis 22, God tested Abraham. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and you go to one of the mountains of Moriah, I will show you, and you offer him, therefore, a burnt offering. Okay? Now, his only son, the one whom he said would the promises would come, to go offer him as a burnt offering. Now, when they showed this in a movie, they showed Abraham in a rage. Oh, God, why did you do this and all of that? No. Abraham obeyed. Okay. And we find from Hebrews 11, we, do, we don't know that till Hebrews 11. But because of all that God had done, and God gave his promise, 
and God cannot lie. And God's covenant, his part was already done, so God cannot change that covenant. So he knew that if Isaac died, he could bring him back to life. So he took him out there to the place it was on Mount Moriah and so forth, tied him up, laid him on the altar. The altar was just big rocks put together on the ground, laid him on the ground, took the knife, and was ready to offer him in sacrifice. Now, during all of this, God wanted to know Would he really obey me? So this is not that God didn't know. It is that when God leaves it to our choice what we're going to do, he does not interfere because he wants it to be our choice. He wants it to be what we decide to do. So the test was with Abraham. Would you take your only son, the one that was born to you when you were a hundred years old? A miracle in itself. And God gave him to you. Okay. So what are you going to do? Okay. Now, no test has come upon us as difficult as this is yet. But the time will come when... And you can see as you watch the news and things, they're against all Christianity and look at Canada. See, the time will come that you and me, every one of us are going to have to make a choice. Will we believe God that he will resurrect us even if we die and die by the death of someone who hates us? Okay, so it wasn't that way here with Abraham. So as they were going up there, let's come to verse 7. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire, because they had a little fire pot they would carry along with them with coals. And the wood, and he laid the wood on on Isaac to carry. But where is the lamb, Isaac said, for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So we are to trust and believe God in all things. That's the whole purpose. Okay? And they came to the place where God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and he bound his son Isaac, laid him on the wood upon the altar, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And an angel from heaven called to him from heaven, saying, and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Okay. And the angel answered back, do not lay your hand upon the lad. So this shows he had to be about 15. Nor do anything to him, 
For now I know that you fear God. Now think about this. Here he was from 75 to 115, 40 years of trial. Then he said, now I know that you fear me. So what about us? How long have we been with God? Do we still believe? How many have fallen by the wayside? How many no longer believe? Because whenever you have a choice, God wants to know what you will choose. The question is not on God. He's already spoken. He's already chosen. He's already done his part. So our part becomes the question mark. All right? Verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram was entangled in the thicket by his horns. Okay? Now, I don't know if it came up there and got tied into the thicket or whether God supernaturally created the ram right there. Since it was an offering to God, we'll leave it in God's hands what he did. Either way, it came from God. He offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, so that it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven and said the second time, okay, by myself, okay. Now let's think about this in relationship to our pledge, okay. What has God done? Well, he sent Christ, right? He became the sacrifice, correct? Yes. He applies that to us. And in Romans, the sixth chapter, it says we are conjoined by baptism into his death. As if whenever someone is baptized, it's almost like God symbolically taking the body of the one being baptized and laying it on the body of Christ, conjoined, see? So that's something, and that's something we need to keep in mind for the new covenant, all right? So he said this, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed like the stars of heaven. Where does that go back to? That goes back to what? Genesis 15. What do the stars of heaven symbolize? All the resurrected saints, right? Daniel 12, the righteous shall shine as the sun. Matthew 13, 43. The righteous shall shine like the sun. 
See? So this is what sealed the whole promise for when Christ would come, what, almost 2,000 years later. See? So you see how God operates in the long term. See? Stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, the physical seed. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That goes right back to verse 12, uh, chapter 12, right? Blessed, all nations. Now it's sealed. From this point on, the blessings to any other nations came through the descendants of Abraham okay, and Isaac. Because you have obeyed my voice. There is the whole story of the whole Bible, see? Do we obey the voice of Christ? Do we obey the voice of God? All right? Now, let's come to Genesis 26, 5, and then we will take a break and come to the book of Exodus, okay? Okay, here the blessing is passed on to uh, to Jacob at this point. Okay. Verse 1. And there was famine in the land besides the former famine that had been in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, to Gerah. And the Lord appeared to him, this is to Isaac, all right, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live here in the land that I will tell you of. Stay in the land, and I will be with you and bless you. And for to you and your seed, I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and give to your seed all these lands, And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because, now verse 5, become very important. See, because a lot of people say, oh, there was no law written down until it was given at Mount Sinai when God spoke the Ten Commandments. All right? Really? They didn't know how to write before that time? Okay, notice what it says. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. They had to be written down. Because not only did Abraham do it, but what about his whole entourage of all the 200 people with him? Do you think they broke the Sabbath, but Abraham kept it? He sat in his tent there every Sabbath and kept the Sabbath alone, but everybody else out there was having an orgy, huh? No. (laughs) No way. They all had to obey. See? But it was Abraham's obedience that it came. Okay? Now then, we're going to look at two other verses, and then we'll take a break.
Let's come to Galatians 3, verse 29. This becomes important, see, because remember, God is dealing with eternity. And his plan is for all eternity. So years are just stepping stones to that time. So let's pick it up here in verse 27. Okay. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. We're to follow what he did, believe what he believed, keep the commandments as he said. Now notice, for anyone who says, God is prejudicial. You know, the Jews like to say they're the chosen people. Well, today, they're the rejected people. They're not the chosen. Verse 28. Here's what it is with the church of God. And this is how then God begins to bless all nations, beginning with Christ for salvation. See? For there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. Okay? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, now listen carefully, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And what is the promise? Eternal life. See? So look how far back when we come for the Passover that God has been working with us. All right, let's take a break and we'll be back in 20. Welcome back to Sabbath services. Now we're going to come to Exodus, the 12th chapter, and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the Passover. Okay, now I want to mention, before we get into it, I want to mention that I have a copy available online and for everyone who wants it, and this is The Passover in the Bible and the Church Today by Lester L. Graby and Robert L. Kuhn. And this was the broadside attack against the Church of God. And one of the key things that you will see there is they try and redefine. Now, what happens? What's happening today to get rid of the knowledge of who we are? They're redefining the terms, right? Taking away the statue, taking away the history, right? Okay. Whenever Satan comes, he wants to redefine so he can change. One of the things that has happened is, in the Protestants, 
is that they look to Acts the 10th chapter when the Holy Spirit was given before they were baptized and saying, you don't need to be baptized. You can receive the Holy Spirit. What did Peter say when the, when the Holy Spirit came? He said, oh, well, baptism's all over with. They're all gone. You don't have to do it. No. He said what? Who can deny them water? And they were baptized. Why did they receive the Holy Spirit before they were baptized? Because the Jews had so many prejudicial laws against the Gentiles that you couldn't keep company with them, you couldn't eat with them, you couldn't speak with them, you couldn't stay in a house with them overnight, you, had, you couldn't have dealings with them. So how are you going to break all those laws down? I mean, they were embedded in there, see? That's why God sent Peter to Cornelius. Okay? Now, you have another instance in Acts the 19th chapter. Paul came to Ephesus, and there were a dozen men who had been baptized. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you were baptized? He said, no, we don't know if there's a Holy Spirit or not. So he said, unto what were you baptized then? He said, they said, unto John's baptism. And he said, John indeed baptized for the remission of sins. And they were baptized again. And when the hands were laid on them, They spoke in tongues as it was originally given to the disciples there in Acts, the second chapter. So that's one of the great sins of Protestantism and Sunday keeping. And in Sunday keeping, they are actually Catholics. Okay? because that's a Catholic day. So, the way they came and attacked the church of God was right smack at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, the true Passover of God, right there. And they changed the definition of sunset to mean sometime before sunset. And that was the whole key for the writing which came out to be the Passover book. Now, this is the third edition, okay? Now, you must have the Passover book, and you must read it. You cannot understand fully without reading. See, today, the whole society, and this is one of Satan's ways. Everything on a summary. And since we have the smartphones and all of this sort of thing, what do you have? Summaries. And who writes artificial intelligence? all the progressives and wokers. So you're not going to get the truth 
from artificial intelligence, and you're not necessarily going to get the truth that you think is the truth by doing things online, okay? Now, I'll cover that in just a little bit because that's important. But we will see they tried to change the definitions, all right? First of all, we want to start right here in Exodus, the 12th chapter. And as we go along, we will define it. Now, the Holy Bible in its original order, a faithful version, is the only translation in English that has the times defined correctly. Okay? According to the Hebrew. Now, if a Hebrew or a Jewish teacher like Kuhn comes along and tries to change things and you accept it because he's a Jew, well, they are not in covenant with God, period. And they do not have the understanding, even though they may be very intellectual, because the Orthodox Judaism rejects Jesus Christ. And many of the, how shall we say, Messianic Jews, they try and Judaize by still keeping the traditions of the Jews And the number one person of that today is Jonathan Kahn. Because he keeps all the traditional things of the Jews with the Jews. And he goes on Sunday to the Protestants and accepts their changing of the Sabbath. When, as a descendant of the house of Aaron, he ought to know that God demands that everyone keep the Sabbath and he will not teach it. See, Now, there aren't very many people that are going to take him to task on it, but I will. And I'll take on task all the Protestant ministers who say that the day was changed from Sabbath to Sunday, and the Passover was changed to the Lord's Supper, and that's what they wanted to do in this paper and that you can take the Lord's Supper anytime you want to. The Catholics call it the sacrifice of the Mass, or the Eucharist. And how many times does the priest do it on Sunday? I saw a picture of Catholic priests come and get all dressed up Sunday morning and and take and take the Mass after they had an orgy night of sexuality with homosexuals the night before. So it gets back to what Jesus said. Can a corrupt tree produce good fruit? No. It has to be the correct olive tree, as Paul wrote about. 
see? And the roots go back to where we just covered, to Abraham. So you need to read the Passover book because it explains everything in the utmost detail and no twig is left unturned. That's important because the truth of the matter is this. You cannot be in covenant with Jesus Christ and God the Father for eternal life if you do not keep the Passover on the correct day, in the correct manner, at the correct time of the day, according to the calculated Hebrew calendar. That's important. So let's begin here in Exodus 12, and we're going to learn some things. Okay. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the beginning of months, shall be the first months of the year to you, and that is called Abib or Nisan. And that comes in the spring of the year. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them each man a lamb for a father's house, a lamb for a house. Okay? And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him take according to the the number of souls, each one according to the eating of, of his mouth. You shall count concerning the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Now this is the type of Christ. And when was he sacrificed? Huh? On the Passover day? What time on the Passover day did he die? The ninth hour, 3 p.m. That goes clear back to what we covered in Genesis 15 when it was the sun was beginning to set. He died. Okay? At the set time. Okay? Now, the lamb for the Passover was slain at the beginning of the 14th. Not at the end, not in the middle, but at the beginning. And when did everything start leading up to his crucifixion? At the beginning of the 14th day with the Passover, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? I will eat the Passover with my disciples, right? Yes. Okay. So let's go on here. Uh, the first year, you shall take it of the sheep or from the goats. Notice, no cattle. That's important. There's no such thing as a Passover calf. Okay. Can you eat a whole calf in one night? I mean, even a family? No, but you can a small lamb, right? 
and the lambs were born just before this time of the year. And it was to be of the first year, not a year old, because a year old would have been too big. Okay, let's go on. You shall keep it until. That means up to the beginning of the 14th day. Until the beginning of the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it between the two evenings. That's the word of dispute that they argue about over and over and over again, and they lie about. Okay? When is between the two evenings? Even today, some write and say, from one evening to the other evening, a whole 24 hours. Okay? Okay? Now, I was there in Pasadena and heard Robert Kuhn present this directly. When I came home, I wanted to know the truth and search it out from the Bible. Because I didn't believe what they wrote in this paper. And you need to order this paper so you see how they work to take down a church of God within. Okay. So I I said this. Now, because he was saying that the Jews keep the Passover on the 15th, which they do to this day. And he was saying that that's what we should be doing But if we do it on the 14th, we should call it the Lord's Supper or a pre-Passover Passover. Have you ever heard of that? A pre-Passover Passover. Okay. Now we'll get into why the Jews keep the 15th a little later. Okay. But before we go any further, let's come to Exodus 16. Because the decision would come down to this. If there cannot be found in the scriptures how God used the term Ba'erev, sunset, and Benhar, Ba'im, between the two evenings. If we cannot find any place in the Bible where God used it, so we could know the difference between the two of them, then we would have to say the Jews were correct. Okay? So that was where I began in studying this out. Okay? So when you come to Exodus 16 we find something very interesting here. Okay? Now, he told them, because they were complaining, they didn't have any, any food to eat. Okay? And they were complaining against God. 
So let's come to verse 11. Exodus 16. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak to them, saying. Now note the translation here. Because the King James says, at even. What does at even mean? See? Well, the term here, bain is very specific. And it means what it's translated, between the two evenings. When is between the two evenings? From one set to another sunset? So he says, between the two evenings you shall eat flesh. Now, when do you eat flesh? Think about it. Can you eat flesh before it arrives? Now, if you have one of your family go to the store to buy some hamburger, so you can have hamburgers, so they go to the store, and you have no hamburger at home, but you get back from the store, and you're told, oh, we've already eaten it. Can you eat it before you get it? Huh? No. Okay, that's specific. Between the two evenings you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Question, does God lie? Does God know what he's talking about? Yes, he does. Now, listen carefully to verse 13. And it came to pass at sunset. King James says at even. But the Hebrew is specific. Ba'erev. Sunset. Okay? When does Ba'erev begin? At noon? Two o'clock? Three o'clock? No. Begins when the sun touches the horizon. How long does Ba'erev last? As long as it takes the sun to go down. Boom. Three to five minutes, depending where you are. Okay. At sunset, the quail came up. All right. And this happened to end the Sabbath. Okay. So what happened? God rested the Sabbath day. He didn't send the quail in the afternoon like some people like to write. No, God would have broken his own Sabbath, right? What did he tell the Israelites about the manna? He said, you'll get the same amount every day, five days, but the sixth day you will get twice as much and It won't breed worms and stink, and you keep it over to the seventh day. You will find none on the seventh day. But what happened? Some of the people went out looking for manna on the Sabbath. So what did God say? Why don't you keep my laws? How long will you refuse to obey me? Okay. So God is not going to break his own Sabbath. 
So, the Sabbath day ended, and right as it was ending, what came? The quail. Okay? And as soon as the quail landed on the camp, the sun had gone down. Now, why did he send the quail on the camp? Because it was going to be getting dark, right? He didn't want them wandering outside the camp to try and look for quail. I'll dump it right in their lap. Boom. Okay. Now, how long does it take to kill a quail? Well, you wring it neck and you you uh, strip off the skin and feathers, and you can roast it. And the pieces of meat are very small. Okay? So he sent the quail, put it down on the camp so they wouldn't have to go out and get it when it was getting dark. See? Okay? Now notice. He said, verse 12, between the two evenings you shall eat flesh. All right? Notice the next verse. And it came to pass at sunset, quail came up and covered the camp. The flesh arrived when? After sunset. Right? Okay. So this tells us what? When did they eat them? Right after they came and as quickly as they could skin them and and roast them. Right? It wouldn't take long. Now we check this out with with Skip Emerson when he had his quail ranch up on up on the, the Santa Cruz Mountains. He used to raise quail. And so we did an experiment. We took quail, and how long did it take to dress it? About five minutes. How long did it take to cook the breast? About 10, 15 minutes. Okay. So that's why God sent quail. All right? From sunset to receiving the quail and skinning them and getting them to the point you could eat them, that period of time between sunset and dark is Bainhar by Eam. And at sunrise... The dew lay upon the ground of the camp, outside the camp. He didn't put it on the camp, so they had to get up and go out and get it. And when the layer of the dew had gone up, behold, there was a small round thing upon the face of the earth, small as as hoarfrost upon the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is this? That's what manna means. What is this? For they did not know what it was, and Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you, and this is what you shall be. Okay, six days you'll get so much, and so forth. All right? So this is the place in the Bible that establishes, by God's word, him speaking directly to Moses and the children of Israel, Ba'erev, between the two evenings, you shall eat flesh. Okay? That tells us 
It's right after sunset and before dark, and dark is called Bokur. All right, back to Exodus 12. So they took the lamb or the kid goat. They kept it up to the beginning of the 14th. When did the 14th day begin? When the 13th day ended. Okay. How do we know that? Where's the scripture that tells us? There's one scripture in Leviticus 23. Okay. So hold your place here and we'll go to Leviticus 23, verse 32. We will read it. Okay. And this is where it gives the timing concerning the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement is important. You don't want to infringe upon it at any time. See? Verse 32. It shall be to you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at sunset. What does that do? That ends the ninth day, right? Okay. So the ninth day ends at sunset. The tenth day begins at sunset and ends the next sunset, right? Notice, from sunset to sunset, you shall keep your Sabbath. That applies to all Sabbaths. Okay? So, back here to Exodus 12. And this will help us understand some other things a little bit later. All right? Kill it between the two evenings, and it tells them how to do it. Verse 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike the two side posts and the upper door post of the house in which they shall eat it. Where did they keep the Passover? In their houses. Okay. And you shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire. Now that's very clear. See? Roast with fire and unleavened bread, and you shall eat it with bitter herbs. Do not eat of it raw, nor boiled at all with water. Now, but those words are separate words. Roast means roast. Boiled means boiled. Unfortunately, Strong's Concordance mixes the two together. So I called Michael Heiss and said, Michael, let's go over this again. Okay? And the word for boil can never mean roast. Okay? The Septuagint has it in Second Chronicles 35 that they boiled over fire. That doesn't mean they were roasting it. But the translators of the King James put there, roasted, and then Strong's makes it look like that the word for boil 
can be either roast or boil. It cannot. See? So this is why you've heard me say you need to be careful with Strong's Concordance. Because sometimes he's not correct. See? But what he did, he took what was already translated and then looked up the different words and then where they had boiled, where it should have been roasted, he put in there to boil as well as roast. So if anyone looks it up, they think, oh, well, it can be boiled or it can be roasted. See? So the Passover could not be boiled. Period. Boom. All right, let's go on. And you shall eat the flesh in that night. Now, one of the things that they said in this paper, that they kept time much like we did today and any time after midnight this morning. See? Change the definition. Verse 21. Now then, all the instructions could not be given to smart to the people by smartphones. They didn't have any smartphones. And they didn't have enough pigeons to go to every house. Okay. <laughs> so, Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, he gave them the instructions to give to the people. So it was divided down the way that Israel was organized. They had little communities with an elder over that community in where they were in Egypt. Okay. And said to them, draw out and take a lamb for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the bowl, and strike the lentil and the two side posts with the blood of in the bowl. And notice this sentence here. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until sunrise. Bokur. They couldn't leave shortly after midnight. Now think about this. How are they going to assemble, herd their, their sheep and their goats, and take whatever donkeys or horses and camels they have, and start the exodus a little after midnight, right after the firstborn were killed? Not possible. But that's what they allege in this paper. So they would eat it. That night, they killed it right after sunset, beginning between the two evenings. And how long is between the two evenings? This time of year, it's about 40 minutes. 
So after 40 minutes, they could start eating. Verse 9, do not eat of it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted with fire, its head with its legs, and with the inward parts. Now that doesn't mean all of the guts, that means the the kidneys, the liver, and the heart. And you shall not let any of it remain until morning, but that which remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. So we wanted to know how long would it take to burn bones of a young lamb or kid goat, okay? Because God didn't want one single thing left of that sacrifice. Why? Because someone would keep it for a lucky charm, right? Sure they would, okay? So Skip Emerson, he gave us the the big knuckle, which would be take the longest bone to burn, okay? So we took that bone, took it home, put it in the fireplace, and how long did it take for that bone to burn to ashes where it could just be all crumbled to pieces? Okay? Took a little over two hours. Okay? So when they left their homes, the only thing that was left there were the ashes. Okay? Nothing else remained. Okay? Then it talks about eating it. Uh, Verse 11, and this is the way that you shall eat it with your loins girded, with your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in trepidation. Now, the King James says haste, but this means trepidation. It is the Lord's Passover. In other words, they had to all be ready because they couldn't leave the house until when? Sunrise. Everything had to be burned. Only ashes left. And he says here, verse 12, And I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and I will execute judgment upon all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. So what are we doing today, the people today in Egypt? They're digging up every place they can dig up to try and find. How did these people live? How did they die? Who were their gods? What were their temples? God is the one who destroyed it. Okay. Verse 13, And the blood shall be assigned to you upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be a memorial. The Passover day is a memorial. See? This does not refer to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is the day of the Passover that's the memorial, because we will see 
that the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread pictures something else. But even though it follows right after the 14th, it does not have the same meaning as the 14th. We'll see that. Okay? And this day shall be a memorial to you. Now, and, this means in addition to that, you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Keep it a feast as a law forever. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days. That's in addition. That's after the Passover. Okay? Even the first day, you shall put away leaven out of your houses. The first day is the 15th. Now, we'll see that defined here in just a minute. So there is no excuse to get it wrong. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day to the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. In the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done in them except that which every man must eat, only that may be done by you. And you, okay? Now, pay very close attention to these next verses. And again, the faithful version is the only one that has this correct according to the Hebrew. Okay? Verse 15, you shall keep the feast of unleavened bread, for in this same day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. That's different. Coming out of Egypt is different from keeping the Passover at home. What was the requirement for them staying at home? Eat it there, burn what's ever left over, and don't go out of the house until sunrise. Okay? Now that's easy for even the most illiterate person to see. Okay? If you see the sun starting to come up, even little children say, look, Mommy, the sun is coming up. Right? Okay, so here it is with this, okay, unleavened bread. Therefore, you shall keep this day, that's the first day of unleavened bread, as a law in your generations as a law forever. Now, notice carefully, in the first month, on the 14th day of the first month at sunset, that ends the 14th. Right? Didn't we just read that in Leviticus 23, 32? From sunset to sunset? Okay. So that's the end of the 14th, and what does that begin? The 15th. Okay. Right? Yes. You shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at sunset. So you count 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, seven days. 
right? And to the end of the 21st day. That's how it's counted. But it's all messed up in the King James Version because it says even. All right, seven days there shall no leaven be found in your houses for whoever eats that which is leaven, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. And you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. Okay, then we covered the instructions. Okay. Now, let's come to what happened the morning, the day portion of the 14th. Chapter 12, verse 31. Verse 31, And during the night he sent word to Moses and Aaron, Rise up, get you away from my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said, and take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urging the people, that they might send them out of the land quickly. Because why? Because they didn't know if any more plagues were coming to kill them. See? I mean, think about what you you would be thinking if everyone you knew had someone die, bang, that night. You've got all these corpses, thousands and thousands you need to bury. Okay? And God did it to release the children of Israel. So the Egyptians gave them articles of gold and silver and clothing, verse 35. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and they granted their request and stripped the Egyptians. Now then, let's finish right here with this. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses. See, because all the children of Israel lived in Goshen. So they all had to come to Ramses. Okay? And they departed from Ramses. It was all organized. They went by companies. Okay? Journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, the men being about... 600,000 on foot apart from the little ones and also a mixed multitude went up with them and the flocks and herds very much livestock and they baked unleavened cakes of dough which they brought out of Egypt for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not stay. Now that was naturally leavened bread. They'd had unleavened bread, didn't have time to leaven it, had prepared food for themselves and others. Now, listen carefully, and we'll end here. Now, the sojourning of the children of Israel in Egypt was 430 years. Okay? Remember that. From the time of the covenant to the birth of Isaac was 15 years. From the birth of Isaac to the sacrifice of Isaac was 15 years. That's 30 years. 
Then 400 years after that, okay, we have it right here. And the sojourning of the children of Israel in Egypt was 430 years, okay. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, it was even on that very same day, all the children, or all the armies of the Lord, rather, went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed to the Lord in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. That could not be the Passover night. It was the next night. Okay? This is the night of the Lord to be observed by all the children of Israel in their generations forever. Okay? Now, come over here to chapter 13 and verse 14. Okay? Remember what we said there concerning they could not go out of their houses till sunrise. Okay? And it was because why? God passed over and killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, right? Okay, now verse 14, chapter 13, and we'll end here. And it shall be when your son asks you in the time to come, saying, what does this mean? You shall say to him, the Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand from the house of bondage. That's the night to be much observed. Passover one night, don't go out of your house until morning. In the morning of the 14th, they went out and the Egyptians gave them all the treasure that they could possibly handle. They assembled at the city of Ramses, organized in their marching orders, and when the sun was going down, they started to leave. And what do you have as a miracle that God provided them? For them to go by night, they had what? The pillar of fire, right? Plus a full moon. Now they were all organized and they went, we don't know how far they went that night, how far Succoth was, but it wasn't far. Okay, well, we'll pick it up there next time so we'll have all of these things. We'll cover the things in the New Testament. But remember, we'll have this online. You can download it. And the title of it is Passover in the Bible and the Church Today by Lester L. Graby and Robert L. Kuhn. Okay. The body blow to destroy the worldwide church of God.